Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Do You Love Me? by Pastor Sean Wood. If you'd like to meet me in the last chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, we will conclude our series on the Gospel of John and then throughout the month of July... For the three weeks of July, we're going to touch on the major themes of the Gospel of John. Before we leave it, we just want to visit what's the major catch things that we can take from the Gospel of John. And one of them is the word believe. Another major theme in the Gospel of John, as well as his epistles, is the word love. John was big on love. So we'll cover those two and, and one more as well before the month of July finishes. But today I want to conclude the gospel as we've worked our way through. This is a very important chapter as we bring it to the end. We don't see what happens here in this chapter is not written in the other gospels and we know that is quite the case with the gospel of John. But you know, as we open this up, uh, there's a definite theme running through this morning about what it is to surrender and about what it is to let some things go. There's some we're going to see that with Peter as we work our way through. But, you know, it's, it's interesting when we look at the life of Peter, he's a guy who thought he had it all together. You know, he thought he loved Jesus more, more than anybody else. He says to Jesus, you know what, if I have to die with you, then I will never deny you. I will never forsake you. And we know what happens. But isn't it sometimes how God allows us, in a sense, to allows the vessels of our lives to be dashed upon the rocks? so that we can then be rebuilt and restored. This is the rebuilding and the restoring of Peter. Peter is an often impulsive man. Uh, Peter never had footy mouth disease. He managed to get both feet in at the same time. He's a guy that uh, was, was often flaky. But isn't it interesting how right from the outset, even though he was impulsive, even though he was flaky, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you're a rock. All the other disciples would have gone, are you serious? Have you, have you met this guy? It just so happens that Jesus is looking at people in this room this morning and he sees something quite often that we do not see. And when God wants to take us all on a journey and as we're going to see with Peter and you know, as some people who decide that it's a good idea to go on a holiday for a couple of months are going to learn <laughs> that... Uh, I know when I travel on a plane, the biggest thing that I'm worried about is how much weight I'm taking with me. How much luggage do I have with me? When I, where's you're going to have to cut it back, brother? You're going to have to you're going to have to leave some shoes and, and and some of the lovely shirts that you bring with us. But please, you're going to have to cut it back as you as you go because there's only a weight limit. You know, God says to all of us, "You want to come on a journey with me? That's great, but you're going to have to leave some of the weight behind." We carry too much baggage. We carry too much luggage. You're overweight. And that's what Jesus is going to say to Peter ultimately here. Peter, you're carrying too much. You've got to let some of it go. You've got to let some of this impulsiveness go. I'm going to build my church upon you guys. You've got to be a little bit less impulsive, Peter. It's interesting when we look at the disciples that when Jesus decided to choose his disciples, the last place he went was the temple. I love that about Jesus. The first place he went was he went and found some fishermen because we know they're the holiest of people. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Thank you. Which brings me to my first point. 
but we'll get to that in a moment. Let's, let's begin in verse 1 of chapter 21. After this, after Jesus had revealed himself to Thomas and the other disciples, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. John is going to start painting the picture of how Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. And he says that Simon Peter, note how Simon is addressed here. Simon Peter, note how he's addressed here and note how Jesus addresses him shortly. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee. Remember the man under the fig tree, Nathaniel? He's still here. The sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Great idea, Peter. Great idea. What else would you do when you're confused? You go fishing. You've got to place yourself in the position of Peter at the moment. Peter thought he had it all together. Peter's just suffered a pretty large shipwreck when he denies Christ three times. He, he realises that he isn't all that he thought that he is and he's beginning to realise just how much he needs Jesus. And he's confused and he can't work God out. How many have been in that position? How many have sat in a position where they've said, God, I can't work you out. And now Peter's come to the conclusion, I can't even control you. Peter's been trying to put parameters up. We all try to put up parameters and boundaries and say, God, you work with inside of this. And when that all fails, I'm going to go back to what I can control. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to get back in the fishing boat. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to get back in the fishing boat. And unbeknownst to Peter, he's actually an astounding leader because somebody made a decision. And what does everybody else do? They go along with him. I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. I love how Christ positions all of us, but look at how we're going to position the disciples now for the revelation. He says, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Well, there's a surprise. This is, this is the story of Reuben Wood. <laughs> I fished all night and I've caught nothing. But getting serious, is it any surprise that they haven't caught anything? These guys would have known. This is nothing unusual for these guys, but when you're trying to do things in your own strength and in your own steam, quite often you're going to catch nothing. It's no surprise to me that they caught nothing. It's no surprise to me that the more churches struggle to realise that everything we do must have the reliance on Christ first. Peter's going to learn that lesson before we finish this chapter. Peter is going to learn before we finish this chapter that everything I do has to start with Christ. What did Jesus say to the churches in the book of Revelation? He comes to them and he says, I know your service. I know your works. I see your generous gifts, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. Everything you do is fruitless outside of placing Jesus first. They caught nothing and you know, quite often the temptation is for us as churches and also for us as individuals, let's, the answer is another program. Let's, let's make another program. Let's do another fundraising project. Let's, let's open up another morning tea. The answer is Christ. 
There's nothing necessarily wrong with him. Let's have a look at what happens after this. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was him. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And whenever God asks somebody a question, I pause because I know that he's not looking for information. God's not looking for information here. Jesus doesn't need them to say, well, we haven't caught anything. He already knows they haven't caught anything. But when God questions us, and we'll touch on this again in a moment, but when God questions us, it allows us to look inwards for a moment. Have you caught anything? How are you going? You're out in the boat on your own, doing it your way. How's that working out for you at the moment? Not so good. Not so good. So then Jesus said to the children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now have a look at what happens. (laughs) Now have a look at what happens. They're casting the net in the same water on the different side of the boat. It's the same blokes in the same boat that do things a little bit differently and they get a completely different result. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they actually obeyed the voice of Christ and they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. What a difference it makes when Jesus is in what it is that we are doing. And I want every single, my desire is that every single person in Brisbane will say the same things that the disciples say now. I don't want anybody to look at what happens in the body of Christ corporately and say, what a great program. Look at the leadership in that church. No, no, no. I want them to say exactly the same thing that the disciples say. It is the Lord. These guys couldn't manage this on their own. Because when we boil it down, every single one of us here have a similar background to the disciples. None of us deserve Jesus to call us. None of us were religious. None of us had it together before he called any of us. It's called grace. Let's see what happens. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, John is talking of himself, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. What else could it possibly be? It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, have a look at the reaction of Peter. Oh, this expresses the heart of Peter now. Have a look at what he does. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. It was a common practice in the first century for fishermen to fish naked. If you want to come here into the presence of the Lord, you are welcome, but please put on your outer garments first. And all the people said, Amen. 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 So he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he does something amazing. He throws himself into the sea. He didn't wait for the boat to reach the shore. No, he throws himself into the sea. He can't wait to get to Jesus. That's an interesting response. It's a very interesting response. Verse 8, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. We'll leave the guy, they can pull the fish in. Peter doesn't care about the fish anymore. He doesn't care about the boat, he doesn't care about anything. He's about 100 metres from shore. 
And for those diligent couple of people that do the math when I say these things, that's 91, the 100 yards mentioned here is the 91.44 metres. So it's about 100 metres. For those that had the calculators out, he said 100 metres, but it says 100 yards. It's 91 metres. And he throws himself into the water. I can't wait to get to Jesus. What a reaction. Let's keep reading what happens. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus now says to them, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Who knows that Jesus didn't need their fish? I don't need your fish, but see, fellowship with Christ is a combination of what we bring and what he brings. And what is the most interesting thing is when they reach the shoreline, uh, Jesus isn't interested in beating them over the head. Jesus doesn't want to talk to them about the fact that they ran away. In fact, Jesus never brings this up. doesn't have to. One thing about the presence of God is it just seems to manifest any sin. It just comes to the surface. The stronger the presence of God, the more it comes. Have a look at what Isaiah says. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. What does he go on to say? I am a man of unclean lips. Peter gets a revelation of Christ in the boat when they haul in the first load of fish and Peter knows what's going on. He says, away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. When the presence of God is a reality, sin just... It doesn't, Jesus doesn't have to say anything to them. 153 fish. Let's get down to the number of fish. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. (laughs) They just struggled. The whole lot of the disciples just struggled to drag the net in with the boat. And Peter goes and throws it over his shoulder and pulls it in by himself. Isn't it amazing what happens when you encounter Christ? Isn't it amazing what kind of strength you have when you're not doing everything on your own? The revelation of Jesus Christ will change everything that we do. Note the miracle here, 153 fish, and although there were so many, 153 fish, that's about what I catch in a day, so I know how much that is. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Let's come and have some, come and have a meal with me. In the first century, having a meal with someone was the most intimate form of friendship that you could extend. Come and recline at my table. Come and have breakfast with me. John Piper says that knowledge about him will not do. Work for him will not do. We must have personal, vital fellowship with him. Otherwise, Christianity becomes a joyless burden. Billy Graham said that this is not a book of religion, it's a book of relationships. But you grasp, Jesus was all about the relationship. And Jesus said to them, you come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? (laughs) They knew it was the Lord. You ever been in the presence of God and you don't need anybody to tell you that you're in the presence of God? I don't need to ask whether that was God. I know he touched me. I wouldn't dare ask. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. We're now going to move to 
a personal application. There we go, it's going to work. John has a habit of telling us what he wants to tell us, but he has a habit of using people to display it. And in this case, he's going to use Peter. What a question to ask as we come to verse 15. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What a question to ask. Do do you love me, Peter? What a question to ask. But it was the right question to ask. And please note that John says here, Jesus said to Simon Peter, but Jesus addresses him as Simon, son of John. Simon Peter was his post-call name. Simon, son of John, was his pre-call name. Some of us here may have heard of the revival that happened recently in Pensacola. And I believe this is part of what's going on here too with Peter. There's a book written by an evangelist that came to Pensacola. He came just to speak on Father's Day because it was the only day he had spare in a 12-month calendar moving forward. The pastor at Brownsville AOG in Pensacola rang him and said, will you please just come? We just need something. They were desperate. They they had prayed and sought the Lord for many years. And finally he makes it there on Father's Day and never leaves. He cancelled his calendar after he got there. Revival broke out and over 100,000 people were saved in a period of three years. If you wanted to get into a meeting, testimonies were, if you wanted to get into a meeting, good luck. But you better turn up early because the line went down the street. Isn't it funny how we never heard that on the news? They'll report a crowd at a football stadium, but we won't let you know that people are lined up to get into this church in Brownsville. But he, this Stephen Hill writes a book called The Pursuit of Revival, and I have it on my shelf if anybody's interested. But it's a wonderful book because following the event, so many people say, we want what you've got. So many people were travelling to Brownsville saying, we want what you've got. We want to take it back. To where we, and he said, you know, do you really want revival? Do you really want God to move like this? We need to ask ourselves this question because when God comes, he comes searching every one of us. And he uses an analogy where if a ship enters foreign waters, for example, then we will board your ship and we will search your boat because we want to know what your intentions are. We want to know what's going on. And Stephen Hill gives an analogy that so many Christians keep God on the decks. You can't look any deeper than the deck. You can, you can do a deck search, God, but I'm not going to let you go any deeper than that. Some of us might let him sneak below the top deck, but that's as, that's as far as we let him. But Stephen Hill says, if you want revival like this, you've got to let him go right down to the bottom. And search the deepest recesses of your heart. And that's what Jesus is going to do with Peter right now. He says, Peter, I don't want a deck search anymore. Do you love me, Peter? Or do you want to go back to fishing? Because you're at a crossroads now, Peter. You're sitting in the terminal right now. And you either dump this luggage and get on board the plane. Or it'll take off without you. And I can guarantee you this. God will take off without all of us. You want to catch the wind of the Spirit? Lift your sails. Simon Peter, or Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? You told me you did, Peter. Right before your boat hit the rocks, you told me that you love me more than all of these guys. You said you'd die with me, Peter. Is that for real? 
What does Peter say? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And you notice that? First notice what Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, hey, Peter, are you going to feed my lambs? Oh, good. Well, you better start loving me. That's not the order that Jesus puts it in. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Okay, well, now that you've got the first part right, now that we're going to deal with where, where your desires and affections lie, now that we're going to cut to the chase, if you love me, then you feed my lambs. And he does. And Peter does. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. There's no appeal here. See, this is, uh, Peter's not appealing to any extravagant act of service. He's not, you know, when he says, he says to Jesus at one point, well, what about us? We, we've left father, we've left everything for you. At one point, he's not going to allude to any of that now. He just says, Jesus, you know my heart. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him, tend my sheep. So we have the same order. But Jesus is coming to Peter again. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And when God questions us, he wants us to start looking inside of us. It's like God's holding up a mirror and says, there's a whole lot of stuff here you can't see. Everybody else can see it, but you can't see it. I remember when, uh, when I was working in the forestry, uh, I grabbed hold of a ramshackle bunch of guys from Bothwell. And if you go to Tasmania, you'll know where that is. But... But these guys were country bumpkins and they'd been disjointed from another, uh, another crew. And uh, one of the guys on the crew, uh, we called him Never Sweat because he just didn't sweat. He actually had a genetic disorder that meant he couldn't sweat. But he also had, uh, that disorder meant that he couldn't grow hair anywhere on his body apart from this silly little rooster tuft that he had sitting on his head. <laughs> and... It was a comical thing to watch because he would come down to the vehicle and he would fill up his tray and then as he was walking past the vehicle, he'd stop long enough just to, just to do this, just to make sure everything's in place because it was pretty windy in Tasmania working outside. So he would be forever manicuring this piece of hair. And then one day he's asleep in the back of the troop carrier and I said, what are you doing? You know, you can't... And he says, I can't work in anything that's over 28 degrees. So I left him there and he fell asleep. And then by the time he wakes up... He comes out of the troop carrier and he's looking at us all as we are in hysterics laughing at him. And he's getting quite angry. And I said, it wasn't until we pointed him to the troop until he realised that, I don't know how it happened, but this beautiful tuft of hair had gone like this and uh, he had no idea what was so funny until we showed him in the mirror. Uh, never sweat, you actually... I don't even know what his real name was. We just called him Never Sweat. So I guess his first name's Never. But we showed him in the thing and said, listen... You can't see what we can see. You've got some imperfections. And of course, as you can expect, he soon fixed those imperfections. And we had a lot of guys like that in the troop carrier, in the uh, forestry that would look at themselves in the troop carrier and, you know, just make sure everything's okay. But it's the same with us. You know, sometimes we don't get the imperfections that we have. And when God questions us and he's questioning our motives and he's questioning our attitudes and he's questioning our affections, he's putting a mirror in front of us and saying... There's stuff that I can see that you can't see. Everybody else sometimes can see it as well, but you can't see it. And that's what Jesus is doing with Peter right here. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Let's come to the last one. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? How many of us would have been in the same position? How many of us would have been grieved had Jesus asked us the third time? Do you really love me, Peter? Because your life is going to look dramatically different now. We're talking about surrender this morning. Peter's about to be told what the end of his life looks like. And it wasn't how he imagined. Ever notice that with God? Ever notice that the journey with God never looked like what you thought it was going to look like? You ever been to a place you've never been to before and you see postcards and you see pictures and people may have told you what it's like, but then when you land and you get out of the plane, you go, this isn't what, people, this isn't what I imagined at all. It's quite often like that with God. It's quite often like that when you go to England. Thank you. (laughs) So Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. And we need to grapple that fact. You can't hide anything from God. You can't hide those motives. You can't hide those attitudes. You can't hide on a church pew unsaved for too long before God taps you on the shoulder. Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Notice that? Every time it's feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. They belong to him. Every single person in this room belongs to Christ. When Jesus looks at you, he says, mine. Jesus goes on and says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, thank God, and used to walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. The kind of death that meant that Peter would be martyred under Nero, crucified upside down. Peter is in prison and reports are that his wife, we only know of Peter being married, none of the others. We don't know whether the other ones are married. But as his, as his wife is being led out to be executed, he's clinging to the bars of the cell saying, keep your joy, keep your joy. The same man that said when he was to be crucified, said, I am not worthy enough to be crucified as my Lord. Tip it upside down. Peter, When you were Simon, son of John, you could do what you wanted, how you wanted, and things were under your control, Peter, but you're going to lose all of that if you're going to come with me. If you're going to get on this plane, and if you're going to come on this journey, you lose your independence. I'm the one in control. I am the one in the cockpit, Peter. That's the difference. You don't get to dictate what happens from here on in. I love Peter's response. Read the book of Acts. For Peter's response. And Jesus is now recommissioning and restoring Peter. Here's your next opportunity, Peter. You think you've missed the boat. You think the plane took off when the rooster crowed. Turns out that Jesus says to him, and after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Here's another chance, Peter. Here's a second chance. When I look at the life of Peter, I take, a, I take a lot of encouragement. Jesus calls an uneducated man. These guys couldn't 
most of these fishermen couldn't even read. Jesus calls an uneducated man who had quite often a foul mouth and a rough accent. They weren't the greatest of speakers, these fishermen from Galilee. They all spoke with an accent. They were rough and tumble kinds of guys. And Jesus says to Peter, you're just what I want. And Peter says to Thomas, yes, Thomas, you're going to doubt, but you're just the person I need to take my gospel to India. John was just the man that would receive the revelation that we read at the end of this great book. God takes ordinary people. We're going to start a series soon on the epistle of Peter, the first epistle of Peter, and it's all about being trophies of his grace. And we're looking now at 11 trophies of his grace. God is polishing these trophies. And all of our lives in this room are trophies for the wonderful grace of God. I want to read the last part because quite often we do this. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? This is John. When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? You've just told me what what the end of my life is going to look like. What What about John? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Rick Warren says that we are as close to God as we want to be. And how true that is. That God sits waiting for us to want him. God sits waiting for us to drop our luggage and just drop our baggage and just say, I'm in. There's people in, that room, in this room this morning that need to make that decision. There's people in this room this morning that are in the terminal as well. And God says, you know what, the plane's ready to take off. You're going to drop some baggage because you've got to lose some kilos before you come on. We cling so tightly to our baggage. We so often neglect looking into God's mirror. We so often keep God on the decks when he says, you know what, if, if you really want to live close to me, you've got to let me go below the decks for a search. What did the psalmist say? Who is it that shall ascend the mountain of the Lord but he that has clean hands and a pure heart? You've got to let God go below the decks. I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back and just tinker and if, and if God is placing his finger on your heart this morning and, and maybe there's baggage that's, that's lingering, then we would like to pray with you. But let's pray together as the worship team comes down. Let us stand together in the presence of Christ. Father, I pray for every person in this room and I pray for myself as well that my response would be to your question, yes, Lord, you know that we love you. I pray that in your gentle, graceful, merciful way, Lord, that you would continue to search and to probe every one of our hearts. I pray that every one of us would adopt a posture of life which is surrender because it's not a one-time act, Father. It's the whole of our lives. Jesus, I pray that you would come and have free reign to search our hearts, search our attitudes, search our affections. And may we say, Lord, we give you all of our heart. We give you all of our heart. 
that's you this morning and you need prayer, then I open up the front for prayer. But let's sing together. You can go to any country you like. You can walk into any different church you like. But there is one common factor, one common denominator, Jesus. If we agree on that one, we're amongst friends. Jesus is the dividing point for Islam. Islam accepts all of our Old Testament, but when we get to Jesus, we disagree. Many disagree when we arrive at Jesus. This, this gospel has exposed the evidence and the signs for Christ, and now as we come to the top of this mountain, everybody has to come to a verdict for themselves. Everybody has to arrive, has to weigh all the evidence that we have in this gospel, and has to arrive at a verdict, and John wants to bring everybody to that point now. It's where Thomas got to. It's where Mary Magdalene is. It's what will lead Peter to be crucified upside down. Eventually we'll lead Paul to be beheaded under Nero. We'll see John cast onto the Isle of Patmos. I'm going to close in prayer now and I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back and play one of the songs. And This morning, if this is you, this morning, if you've reached that line and you need prayer and we'd love to pray with you. Or you might just be sitting here this morning going, you know what? I just need Jesus to breathe on me for a moment. I, I just want to ask him to breathe in my life today. Then we want to pray with you this morning as we close. So can we stand as I pray? And if you need prayer this morning, then please make your way to the front. Father, I want to thank you this morning that you bring everybody to this line. Jesus, I want to make a personal confession in front of everybody here. You're my Lord and you're my God. And I pray that that would be the fullness of my life and the fullness of all of our lives. I pray that as we sing this song, I pray that as we wake tomorrow, I pray that as we join in our life groups during this week, Father, that you would breathe in us every day. Oh, we need your breath in us. I pray that you would take this word and breathe upon the coals of our hearts this morning, I pray. In the wonderful and glorious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.